Chapter Eight of Bill the Conqueror by P. G. Woodhouse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A job for Percy Pillbeam. Flick Sheridan and Judson Coker were not the only two people in London who were taking an interest in the affairs of Mr. Wilfred Slingsby. Such are the ramifications of this complex civilization of ours that the movements of the manager of the Paradine Pulp and Paper Company had also come under the observation of no less a person than young Pillbeam, the real power behind that entertaining weekly Society Spice, of which Roderick Pike was the nominal and unwilling editor. The morning after the conversation between Flick and Judson, recorded in the last chapter, Roderick sat at the editorial desk of Society Spice, gazing wanly at the galley-proof of an article by his impetuous assistant, which dealt with the nefarious activities of the race of turf commission agents, an article in the course of which he pallidly noted the name of Mr. Isaac Bullitt was mentioned no fewer than three times, and not once in a spirit of genial praise this series on bookmakers swindling methods initiated by pillbeam discontinued by roderick and resumed at the express orders of sir george had always reached a fair level of zippiness but never its reluctant sponsor felt had it so out zipped itself as in the present instalment young pillbeam dealing with the swindling methods of bookmakers and using as his leading instance the laxness of the commercial code of ike bullet made juvenile seem like a tactful pacifist the pallor on roderick's brow would seem to have been caused entirely by the perusal of this inflammatory piece of prose and not at all by the anxiety as to the safety and whereabouts of his vanished bride-to-be flick's departure though it had acted like an earthquake on others of the family group had apparently left roderick unperturbed on his arrival at the office ten minutes ago he had been in a noticeably cheerful frame of mind he had even been whistling but at the sight of the very first paragraph of pillbeam's philippic the whistle had died away and like flick had not been heard of since to him shrinking quivering in his chair there now entered young pillbeam in person striding into the room with shining morning face all pep ginger efficiency and alertness this youth with a future was about twenty-three years of age diminutive in stature and shinily black of hair he wore a lively young check suit and his upper lip was disfigured by a small fungoid growth of moustache he accosted his chief genially a tactful man he had never shown any disposition to rub his recent victory into roderick roderick was still technically his superior officer and he always treated him as such ah said pillbeam having passed the time of day i see you're reading that little thing roderick coming to himself with a start dropped the little thing as if it had been an adder how do you like it added the second in command and without waiting for an answer proceeded i say i've had a great stroke of luck 
happened by pure chance to stumble over something last night that looks pretty bubbly. We shall just be able to bung it into this week's issue. Roderick licked his lips, not with relish, but because they felt dry and cracked. The thought of bunging into this or any week's issue, anything which a critic of Pillbeam's exacting standards considered pretty bubbly, gave him a dull, aching sensation in the pit of the stomach. "'What is it?' he asked hollowly. Young Pillbeam removed his coat, hung it on a peg, donned a faded blazer bearing the colors of the cricket club which enjoyed his support on saturdays and wielding a skilful pair of scissors shaped from the cover of an old number of society spice the paper cuffs which it was his prudent habit to wear when in the office i happened to go and have a bit of supper last night at mario's said pillbeam and there was a man a couple of tables off with a girl in pink i didn't know the girl but she looked chorus girlish I suppose she came from one of the theatres. The man was a chap I've seen around the place, named Slingsby. Know him? Roderick said he had not had that pleasure. Wilfred Slingsby does a good deal of putting up money for shows and so on, explained Pillbeam. Sort of man you're always seeing at Romano's and that sort of place. Well, that's who he is, and he was sitting there having supper with this girl, and suddenly— ever meet a girl named prudence stryker roderick said he had not had that pleasure either and endeavoured somewhat austerely to make it clear to pillbeam that his knowledge of the more roistering strata of london society was not so extensive and peculiar as he seemed to imagine american girl said pillbeam was in the follies in new york for a long time but came over last january to join the chorus at the alhambra big dark spanish-looking girl with black hair and large flashing eyes roderick shuddered miss stryker appeared to be the exact type of girl he disliked most and he hoped that the story was not leading up to the information that his young assistant proposed to bring her to the offices with a view to securing her reminiscences well prudence stryker suddenly came in with a chap and no sooner did she see this fellow slingsby having supper with this girl in pink than she gave a yell rushed across the room swept all the plates and glasses off the table and then swung her right and plugged slingsby a perfect beauty in the eye <laughs> how's that eh said pillbeam with the honest enthusiasm of a good scandal-sheet conductor not so bad what the only trouble is that the poor girl was so instantly chucked out by the management that i didn't get a chance to have a talk with her and find out what it was all about why pillbeam should allude to the muscular miss stryker who had apparently acted so dramatically in accordance with her second name and with so lamentably little consideration for her first as the poor girl roderick could not understand so what i thought i would do said pillbeam was to go and interview this fellow slingsby and bring back a nice story for this week's issue i find he's got an office in st mary axe i can pop down get a statement from him and have the article in type by lunchtime i'll be off there as soon as i've cleaned up these proofs roderick looked at the enthusiast with a growing horror it seemed to him as if fate 
was going out of its way to make life difficult an article such as that envisaged by pillbeam must infallibly lead to his incurring in his editorial capacity the enmity of this miss striker who would naturally be sensitive about the matter and disinclined to see it exposed to the myriad eyes of london in the staring nudity of print and last night's drama showed with a hideous clearness what happened to those whom prudence regarded with disfavour a vision of himself being plugged a perfect beauty in the eye came to roderick as vividly as if he had seen it in a crystal i don't think we want that story he said tremulously i can't use it pillbeam stared at him aghast but it's a corker he urged everybody who reads spice knows slingsby roderick in his desperation snatched at the suggestion offered by this statement if he's as well known as that he said he may be a friend of my father's no no not a chance of the boss knowing him there is persisted roderick why shouldn't there be the man may be his closest friend for all you know and you remember how furious he was the time you put in that story about sir claude molsey and the brighton bungalow i shouldn't run the risk of having that sort of thing happen again if i were you pillbeam looked thoughtful roderick's words had given him pause the incident to which he had alluded was the only existing blot on the pillbeam escutcheon as nice a little things we want to know don't you know paragraph as he had ever written and then it had turned out that the victim at whom it was directed was one of sir george's most intimate cronies most certainly he did not want that sort of thing to happen again a way out of the difficulty came to him i'll go up and see the boss he said then ask him he removed the paper cuffs changed the blazer for his check coat and thus suitably attired left the room to seek an interview with the great chief up in his office on the fourth floor meanwhile sir george pike was in conference with his sister frances and had been for the last half hour the subject before the meeting was as usual the total disappearance of flick just think how long it has been since she ran away mrs hammond was saying and how little we've done why we're no nearer finding her than we were two weeks ago i know sighed sir george i know the proprietor of the mammoth publishing company was looking more like a stuffed frog than ever this matter of flick's mutiny was weighing hardly upon him you surely do not suggest i hope he said having taken a couple of napoleonic turns up and down the room that we should give in to her and insert that advertisement in the daily mail the last two words escaped from him in a sort of miniature explosion of pent-up disgust if flick had only known the one thing in the whole unfortunate business that had smitten her uncle most sorely was her tactless request that the family capitulation should be announced in the alien mail and not in the home-grown daily record certainly not said mrs hammond decidedly of course not nothing could be farther from my thoughts 
i am only saying that we ought to take some definite step of some kind and you george are our only hope sinclair is perfectly useless sometimes i am not sure that he does not in his heart of hearts secretly sympathize with the girl you must do something george and at once george frowned thoughtfully i did put the matter into the hands of a private detective you know a private detective using the utmost discretion of course sir george assured her i told him that felicia was the daughter of an old friend of mine suggested that she must have been stricken with amnesia which i thought rather a happy idea but there have been no results the fact is these private detectives are no good no good whatever they exist only to take fees in advance and do no work to earn them the telephone buzzed discreetly mr spilbeam would be glad if you could see him for a moment sir george sir george turned from the instrument with the air of one whose troubles have been divinely solved good gracious what is it i never thought of him what an amazing thing the one man ideally fitted for young pilbeam wants to see me he explained you remember him does all the work on spice one of the brightest keenest fellows in the place a man in a million the finest young chap for this sort of business in london have him in at once cried mrs hammond excitedly i will to francis hammond's keen vision one glance at the assistant editor of society spice was enough to justify her brother's eulogy percy pilbeam was not an ornamental young man aesthetic critics would have found much to cavil at in his check suit and physiognomists might have clicked their tongues disapprovingly at the sight of his mean little eyes and the unpleasant smile on his badly shaped mouth but for the task in hand his qualifications stuck out all over him he looked what he was a born noser out of other people's coyly hidden secrets she bowed amiably as sir george with a brief word made them officially known to each other you wish to see me pilbeam just a trifling matter sir george i'm on the track of rather a good story about a fellow named slingsby wilfred slingsby i just thought before going any farther that i would make certain that he did not happen to be a personal friend of yours slingsby slingsby never heard of him who is he he has some sort of business in the city and he is rather well known in theatrical and sporting circles about town he has had a finger in backing one or two musical comedies just the sort of man the readers of spice are interested in exactly what i thought sir george what has he been doing he was mixed up in a rather spectacular affair at one of the nightclubs last night i thought it might be worth following up undoubtedly most decidedly by all means follow it up thank you sir george oh pilbeam said the big chief as that promising young man turned to go one moment he went to his desk and took out the photograph of flick which he had recovered from the raxhall detective agency after dispensing with that organization's disappointing services 
I want you just to glance at this. Pilbeam took the photograph and studied it deferentially. That, said Sir George, thrusting his fingers into the armholes of the pike waistcoat and speaking in the loud, bluff, honest voice of the man who was about to do some hard lying, is a photograph of a Miss... Miss as is always the way on these occasions he found himself utterly unable to think of a single name that sounded even remotely like the sort of name a girl would have mrs hammond stepped adroitly into the uncomfortable pause miss faraday she said brightly exactly said sir george relieved miss angela faraday the name pleased him and he repeated it i want you pilbeam to find that girl for me she's the only daughter of a very old friend of mine she left home recently said mrs hammond just so said sir george disappeared in fact said mrs hammond frankly ran away you see mr pilbeam the poor child had only just recovered from a severe attack of influenza you know how it is when you are recovering from influenza quite murmured pilbeam quite we think said sir george feeling on solid ground once more that she must have got amnesia yes said mrs hammond there must be some reason like that to account for her staying away there was no trouble at home said sir george none whatever don't imagine that for an instant the girl was quite happy perfectly happy and contented quite said pilbeam he spoke with unruffled calm but inwardly he was a tortured man his memory for faces being excellent he had recognized the photograph the moment it was handed to him as a very good likeness of roderick's fiancee that pretty girl the boss's niece who had called for roderick at the spice office a week or so ago and the realization that he had stumbled upon the most gorgeous scandal of his whole career and that there was no hope of being allowed to use it in the paper was the bitterest thing that had ever happened to him not even on the occasion when piqued by his persistent questioning as to the motives of his wife in suddenly removing herself to east uganda a large husband had kicked him down a full flight of stairs had percy pillbeam felt sadder you are a fellow who goes about a good deal said sir george i know that you have a sharp pair of eyes take that photograph pillbeam and see if you can't find that girl she must be somewhere i must ask you of course to treat the matter as entirely confidential quite quite that is all then very good sir george i would do my best and in regard to the other matter of which i spoke i will call on this man slingsby directly after lunch and see what i can find out just so and touching this business of miss um faraday you will of course charge to the office any expense in which you may be involved 
Oh, quite, said Pillbeam, quite. There was a ring in his voice which told his employer that in that side of the affair, at any rate, he might rely on him implicitly. End of chapter 8